Hi, this is Rahul. Uh, this is Steffi. And this is TCGMC's 40th anniversary podcast. And we are so excited to have with us Jason. <laughs> hey, Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. So, Jason, can you introduce yourselves with the, with a full name? Because, you know, that's the one thing we realized. We've got like 17 Johns in the chorus. I actually um, might be the only Jason, but I'm Jason Askew. Um, I've been with the course since I believe 2017, so I'm coming up on three full years with the course. Nice. And I'm a tenor too. Jason, where are you from? I'm originally from the Minneapolis area, but the northwestern suburbs. Uh, born and raised here, and then I spent a little time out on the east coast. I went to grad school in Providence, and I lived in Atlanta for a while, and came back here basically right before I joined the chorus. So literally the day before I um, decided to audition was when I um, kind of thought of the course again. Um, oh, wow. So I just went for it on a whim. So you just happened to think of it like right before auditions? Literally. I think it was the week of auditions that I just happened to like, you know what, I should do that. Let's see when they have auditions. And I remember, I remember looking it up and being like, oh, thank goodness. It's like, it's almost kismet because I then went to the first rehearsal. I believe even, that might have even been that day. That's how much it was like meant to be. Who was the um, artistic director at the time? Ooh, Riggs. It was Ben Riggs at the time. Cause uh, yeah, I joined his last concert. So I was there through, through us discovering and finding Gerald. Great, so we have our other guest, John, joining us today. So John, we are talking about our audition stories. Tell us when, when did you audition and who was it with? Yeah, I auditioned uh, nine years ago with Stan Hill. Um, I, let's see, I had moved to Minneapolis the day before. <laughs> um, and I had drove here from Boston with my best friend. Um, and he already was in the chorus. And so he said, you know, you, you should try out, you, um, you don't know anybody. <laughs> so I think it would be good for you. So at that point, I just kind of trusted him with a lot of my life because I was coming here for treatment. And so this was right before I moved into a sober house and I tried out and I didn't get in, but they were so kind and they said, well, why don't you come to our rehearsals and practice music since you don't know music? I'd never sung before. And so every week I came and I practiced the music and um, I volunteered for all the little extra things and when it came concert time they asked me to be santa claus so i was santa claus and uh, so um i tried out again with a, some music i learned from the that, that concert uh, i used a piece that i learned from that concert and then i got in and then um so i've been in for this will be my ninth year i was joined the the same year gala was um so i was able to go to denver that year as soon as I went to Gala, then I knew I needed to continue this um, because it was so magical listening to all these other choruses do their thing and, and um, tell their story. I never really heard the gay stories before and um, told in that way. You know, you don't learn it in history books, e even though I studied history in college. <laughs> you don't get that um, yeah. in college or in high school or anything else. Um, it's kind of interesting i just saw on facebook the other day one state has started to include glbt history in their history books stan used to say if we don't tell our story who will you know that that gala year um 
hearing all those courses and hearing all those stories really cemented the desire for me to stay in those courses. And of course, meeting friends that were sober and healthy and sort of starting a new life was, was integral um, in my recovery and in my life for the last nine years. These were guys that were a lot different than the people I was spending time with in my previous years. I lived in New York City and I came out there and it was a very different experience for me. And these were people with, you know, careers and jobs and <laughs> they weren't going to circuit parties and doing drugs. <laughs> so that's what brought me. Um, and I'm it's one of the best decisions I ever made since I've moved here. Um, it's been integral in my life um, in staying sober and becoming a healthier person. It's made me want to be a better person and I'm uh, pretty grateful for it. I love that. What a wonderful thing to hear about the chorus. Yeah. Um, Jason, you have been with us for a few concerts for a few years. Um, is there one performance or one number that stands out to you as like particularly memorable or moving for you? I think for me, the most exciting concert was uh, last year doing the Little Squares. Mm which is kind of funny because usually I prefer our spring concerts just because the repertoire is so much more, um, in my point of view, invigorating. You know, it's, it's our way of telling our story in an emotionally impactful way. Uh, but for some reason, there was that concert that for me, kind of going back off of these conversations we're having about what is so important about this chorus, that concert for me, because we were all even dulling up and dragging, so we were putting ourselves in a pretty vulnerable position, some of us, uh, and it was a way for us to get to know each other even just that much more. So all of a sudden, you know, we are a community of people, but for some reason that concert made me feel a little bit more a part of the, uh, the TCGMC community. So I, that one has a special place in my heart. Uh, yeah. Those dresses were the great equalizer, weren't they? They were. Yeah. <laughs> John, how about you? Is there one um, performance that stands out? Yeah, so let's see. Um, I've, I've, out of nine years, I've only missed one concert, so that's quite a few. It's really hard to choose um, between Two Boys Kissing because I thought that was a lovely piece that um, we went to gala with, and I, um, I just thought it was perfect for the chorus and it was so beautifully done. But um, I have to say, personally, we did a concert called Testimony, and Unbeknown to me, um, the chorus took a collection and sent my parents two tickets to come see me. So my sister, I mean, she had to sort of um, re-blow it for me because she's like, well, I'm going to have to go with them because, you know, they're, they don't feel comfortable flying alone. And so, so I said, okay, <laughs> thanks for doing that. So my sister and my mom and my dad, they came. And um, at that point... I felt a lot better about myself and who I was. And I, at, at that point, I had started to sort of love myself a little more. And um, I had heard testimony at that first gala by San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, and it was quite touching for me. So to sing them out loud was um, really powerful for me. And then my mom, sort of at the end of all of this, said, you know, I never saw you so happy. And, you know, that's kind of what you want to hear as a child. I mean, you're still a mama's boy, even though you're um, in your 40s. <laughs> so uh, my parents were able to see me do what, what I do here. And, um, you know, that, that kind of meant a lot. 
And I remember that. I remember specifically meeting with them in the lobby right after the concert ended. And I remember talking to them at length at the post-concert dinner that we had, where they were able to join us. And your sister was there too. And they wanted to know everything about about the chorus, but also about how you were doing in the chorus. And, And they were just incredibly proud of you. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's nice to know that um, the guys in the course sort of had my back and said nice things about me. <laughs> yeah. Jason, how about you? Has your family come to see you perform? Actually, no, they haven't. Um, and it's not for any kind of specific reason other than it's just not their thing. Um, I've been very lucky that my family's been very supportive of me my entire life. Uh, I came out very young, so it's not anything to do with that. It's just they just haven't come. Choral music just isn't their thing. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I get it. I get it. How old were you when you came out? I came out at 14 years old. So I was very young. Uh, I always like to joke that now I'm officially, I've officially been out longer than I was closeted um, mm-hmm. in my life. The first person I told was actually my girlfriend at the time. So, but now she's getting married to a woman. So it worked out for both of us. Um, I love that. <laughs> and then uh, I had a very smooth coming out, thankfully. I didn't come out till I was 28 years old. So I love the fact that someone could come out at 14. You know, that wasn't really a possibility um, when I was in high school. Gosh, what a powerful thing. And let me tell you from someone who suffered internally for not coming out and keeping it to myself that it's such a great thing not to go through life with that hidden secret. That's amazing. So. What has you stay in the chorus? I know for me, and part of the reason why the chorus is so important to me, and John kind of mentioned it a little earlier too when he was talking about his story, it's kind of sometimes hard in our community to to find a group that has shared interests and things like that that aren't related specifically to our sexuality. It's not about going out. It's not about hooking up. It's not about bar culture. It's not even necessarily about us being queer. You know, at the end of the day, it's about us having this shared interest, this shared passion, and we just come together and celebrate it as a community. That, I think, for me, has been really powerful because I've been able to build relationships within our community that feel more truly genuine than some of the connections I've had in the past with our community. Yeah. Boy, it almost brought a tear to my eye. I couldn't agree more. That's really the exact same reason that I keep on um, staying with the chorus. In my past life, the gay community was all about, for me, coming out in New York City and going, doing the club scene and all that sort of thing. It was all about what you look like and, you know, who you were with and what you were wearing and how big your muscles were. And, you had sex with a different person every day and it was just toxic. It's it's sort of the reason I started doing drugs and became a drug addict is I was so unhappy with that community. It's a community, it's not something I experienced when I was younger or even in my teens. This is why I'm so happy that you came out early. (laughs) But it's something I experienced when I came out and a lot of the community out there is not as supportive and it's the chorus is less about that stuff. It has nothing to do with that. It's, you know, people got to know me for who I was and um, what was in my brain and, you know, got to know me, my sense of humor and my quirkiness and all that sort of things. And 
they liked me anyway. So, I mean, that's what I had been looking for all along. I'm just realizing now that this is something that we've heard over and over and over again, is that the chorus provides a different kind of community yeah. for gay men. Um, mm -hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I obviously have no idea <laughs> like what kind of communities are out there for gay men. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, I, um, when I think back, because I've known you now for over seven years, because I've yeah. been in the course for mm -hmm. a little over seven years now, um, and if I if I think back on our interactions or when I've, the most powerful interaction I had was not a one-on-one -on -one interaction with you, but your interaction with the whole chorus when you gave gave your three-minute share, and mm -hmm. I can bet you there was not a single dry eye in that room after your three-minute share. I distinctly mm -hmm. remember you got a standing ovation. People were just, they just love you. The entire chorus loves you. I think the reason my three minute share maybe have been so emotional is because I bring a different perspective to, uh, it's just one story out of 150 really, but um, it just happens to be that with drugs, I brought myself to a place of such a dichotomy of where I am now mm -hmm. that um, I think they just felt that, you know, um, and they know, they just all know, knew my story and the, the newer guys, a lot of them came up to me and they were like, wow, you know what? I remember getting a message from one guy and he was like, you give me a reason to want to stay in the chorus. And he was brand new. It was his first year. It's kind of personal, but sometimes I share it to, to really, um, show people how healing and community can be when you, and I think you appreciate it more when you didn't have it. Um, and when you didn't have it for so long and it caused, you know, so much pain and destruction in your life that you, when you have it, you, you hang on to it and you, and you, um, you don't take it lightly. Look forward to hopefully soon we can all be together again singing. Um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Look, look forward to the time where we're all together again as a big group. What kind of um, issues would you like the chorus to sing about moving forward? Um, years ago, many years ago, we did a piece called Through a Glass Darkly about um, crystal meth addiction. And um, it's been a long time and I'd like to see something else about, I'm here in the Twin Cities, we have a lot of rehabs and clever houses and people come here for that for many government funding reasons. And um, so I feel like we can help a lot of people by talking about that, not in a church basement where no one can hear us and no one knows our name, but um, out and proudly as something that's not to be ashamed of, but is just an illness and not to be just talked about in the dark. A big part of our job is to educate. We have that opportunity. You know, we have this voice and we're using it. Uh, and there's so much complexity related to, you know, gender identity, biological sex, um, sexuality. All these things are different continuums. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that. They see these things as synonymous to each other. Um, and it is such a complex thing, but we have the opportunity to potentially teach. Uh, and, and maybe even in a way that's, fun, playful, and memorable. This comes up time and again, this does. 
um, the whole purpose of the chorus is um, is sort of to not just sing for ourselves, but also sing for our audience. And um, it is to sing what our lived experiences have been. And we also want our audience to get educated and sort of normalize being gay and, and what um, better way to do it, but make it fun, uh, which DCGMC has been able to do. It's true, we have a lot of fun. I, I never thought the course would be so much fun, just basic fun. I just, you know, I always looked at courses as, you know, something you saw on Christmas and it was very serious, um, but it's not like that. Um, one thing that, when I hear you say these things, I think of is that um, music has a really unique ability to approach people about certain issues in a way that doesn't feel super uncomfortable or super challenging, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's different than just being lectured to about something. Yes. Yeah. Well, and music has emotion. You know, that's a part of the reason why so many of our spring concerts are so effective is because mm -hmm. we are emoting as we're up there uh, and we're allowing the audience to empathize. Uh, and sometimes you kind of have to get to those dark, scary, uncomfortable places for people to change. So sometimes if you approach these, these lessons learned uh, in a way that is like more academic and educational, it's not as powerful as it is when you're feeling it through music. Yeah, you know? There are some people that come to the concerts um, um, every seasonally, you know, every, every concert. And it's always cool to talk to them because they're always like, you did it again. <laughs> you know, you got to the heart of the matter and I understand something better. Um, you know, I've had people's moms tell me that they've, they didn't know about this or that as much as now when they're leaving. Now they know how it makes people feel. And I think that's even more important than understanding um, academic, academically what maybe um, addiction feels like or what um, being trans feels like or what being black feels like. You know, you can study that to death, but you don't really know, and you never really will know exactly, but I think that music gets you a little bit closer to what that feels like. Um, do you have a specific memory from going and doing an outreach outside of Twin Cities that you uh, would like to talk or share about? I know I personally have only gone to one outreach experience, uh, and that was when we, and that was a, a very recent one when we were um, up in Duluth uh, and we performed at that local church there. Uh, that was the only outreach experience I've been a part of, unfortunately. Um, what kind of feeling you, did you get from it? Well, it was actually, it was quite a unique experience simply because, uh, I mean, for one, it is kind of a unique experience to sing as, um, uh, you know, as a gay men's chorus inside of a church and feel comfortable and welcomed. <laughs> um, but then not only to to do that, but then afterwards have all of them, all the audience members come up to you and in an appreciative, appreciative tone and tell you how much it, that the concert meant to them. And we only even gave them a slightly abridged repertoire of our music. And it was still enough that it gave them, uh, it moved them enough. And I do feel like a number of those people are now starting to come to, to our concerts. I've heard some stories uh, from people who had personal connections in the room. How about you, John? Well, I'm always surprised when we go to churches and, um, I've only been to one where we had protesters and it was like two people. <laughs> and, um, um, and yeah, the, the sign was vandalized, um, our Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus um, sign. But um, I'm always surprised um, about the amount 
of people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s who come by the droves and are just love us <laughs> and, um, you know, um, are so moved by everything. And um, every once in a while, you'll get a guy who, you know, is like, you know, I didn't know anything about gay men before. And I think you guys are great. And, you know, gives us a big hug. And it's kind of sweet. As far as specific songs, um, gosh, there's so many. I remember I Am Harvey Milk. Um, we brought to a lot of outreaches. And um, many, many, many young kids um, or younger adults didn't know a lot about Harvey Milk. Um, and that um, story gave them a good grasp on what life was like back in the 70s and who Harvey Milk was and um, how he inspired people. And yeah, that was pretty powerful. And then in Two Boys Kissing, um, I remember a trans student, high school student, um, saying to a little group of us that were circled after back after the concert and 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 he said, I never saw a trans character portrayed in that way, mm. in a positive kind of normal, matter of fact, um, you know, little love story kind of way. It was always sort of more of a tragic kind of character or, you know, but he was pretty touched that we were able to sort of bring to the mass public a trans story that was just kind of a normal little love story um, and really normalized his life in a public way, which he didn't see very often. Avery should be floating from his day with Ryan, but a look in the mirror drags him down. He's worked so hard to change his body, to make it the right body, but he can't come close to loving it. No matter how strong Avery gets, there will always be this subterranean fear, this nagging shame. I want to whisper to him that the only way to free yourself from shame is to realize how completely arbitrary it is. There's power in saying, I am not wrong. Society is wrong. Because there's no reason that we should ever be ashamed of our bodies or ashamed of our love. He thinks it's because he was born in the wrong body. But I want to whisper in his ears that many of us were born in the right bodies and still felt foreign inside them, felt betrayed. was it? Of course not. And yet we punish our bodies, berate them, hold them to an ideal that's deeply unfair. We needed to be beautiful by all the standards. When we were healthy, we were ignorant. We could never be content in our own skin. Avery feels all that and more. We want to tell Avery end of our time one thing we like to ask our guests is to share with 
our audience uh, something about you that people would be very surprised to know. Take maybe, your time. I mean, maybe this will be a, a nice way to counter what I said earlier, actually, about my coming out story. So I actually did have, like I said, a very easy coming out story for the most part. But um, when I told my mother I was gay, she was cooking in the kitchen. And the flamboyant and dramatic gay boy I was at the time, I was 14. <laughs> I ran into the kitchen. I was like, Mom, I have to tell you something. She turns around. I like, I think I did something with my hands where I even like put them out of them on the other side of me. And I said very dramatically, I'm gay. And then <laughs> I burst into tears and I ran into my room. <laughs> and, oh, I love it. And she came like sauntering over to my room. She sat down by my, like on my bed next to me. She looked at me and she kind of sighed. And she's like, oh, I know. <laughs> oh. Adorable. Oh, my God. And the second thing she told me was, don't tell your father. He'll shoot you. So I never told my father. And um, it wasn't until he was literally in the hospital dying that I was finally comfortable enough to even talk about it openly with, it with my extended family on his side. And it was kind of a, a weird moment for me when like because of his passing, I was able to, to kind of let go not only of, of him in a way, but also this fear I had just to share a bit of myself with people who should have been, you know, my, my closest supporters. Uh, and the kind of weird thing was that happened years later. So probably like eight, eight or nine years after I had came out to the rest of the world. Why was it important for you to come out to him at that time? I don't see the thing is I don't know if I ever really felt the need to come out to him. And the kind of funny thing was um, I didn't really hide it. So it's not like I changed the way I acted around him. Um, like I even went to my high school senior prom as a boy and he even spent the night at my place afterwards. And so he knew I was going to the prom. I went to a prom with the guy. We were dressed alike. And then I remember specifically like it was at the, it was the end of the night we just got home and he like came out of his room, went to the bathroom and he saw the two of us together. I mean, it was very obvious and I just never hit it, but I also never felt the need to tell him. Um, and that could just tell you a lot about what my relationship was like with him. But even though I didn't feel the need to tell him, I think there was still a part of me that felt the fear of him knowing for sure, which is why I didn't even, I wasn't really that open with his side of the family even though I had no problems being completely open with the rest of the world. It's just something that I just kind of needed to hold on to uh, with him. If you only knew If you only knew If you only
much for your time today y'all for being with us and for sharing your yourselves and your and your thoughts with us no thanks for, for doing this podcast I, I hope we can reach people um and you know if you're out there in the dark listening to our podcast and you have questions you know we're always here for for everyone and if you ever feel like you don't no one's listening or you don't fit in um know that there's a place for you that's just Guys, a message i love that yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That concludes this podcast. You heard Chorus of the Body from Two Boys Kissing, commissioned by the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus for their 35th anniversary. It was composed by Joshua Shank. Lyrics by David Levithan, based on his book, Two Boys Kissing. Additional lyrics by Joshua Shank. Libretto adapted by Joshua Shank and Eric Grant recorded at the Ted Mann Concert Hall March 2016 by the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus under the baton of Dr. Ben Riggs, Artistic Director. You also heard If You Only Knew from Through a Glass, Darkly, music and lyrics by Michael Scheib, recorded at the Ted Mann Concert Hall in 2008 by the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus under the baton of Dr. Stan Hill, Artistic Director. 
For more information, please go to tcgmc.org podcast. We also invite you to support our mission with a gift at tcgmc.org donate. Thank you for joining us.